The coronavirus pandemic and the widespread cancellation of in-person meetings has forced associations to rethink their online member engagement strategies. But establishing a vibrant online community is not easy, and for many associations the question is still where to start. My name is James Lancaster and my guest today is Community Manager Marjorie Anderson to answer that question and more. Marjorie, welcome to Deep Dive. Thanks for having me. You're the Community Manager uh, for the Project Management Institute and you're the founder of a blog called Community by Association. Could you just give us a brief summary of uh, what a community manager is and what your job entails? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, A community manager is really responsible for managing the day-to-day operations of a community. So that means setting the strategy, developing and monitoring community performance, supporting the team that's working on the programming. Um, A community manager also links to other lines of business within an organization, uh, which is what I spend a lot of my time doing. Uh, I set and revisit and edit our community strategy as needed to ensure that the why who and how of the community still holds true. If it doesn't, I adjust where it's needed. Um, And I spend a lot of time explaining community across the association and finding ways to connect to that organizational value and drive initiatives forward. And really studying um, and what we're measuring and if it tells the right story around engagement and value. Uh, And again, I also support my team who really is responsible for doing the hard work of community engagement programming. Okay. Okay. So when you're talking about community, you're talking about uh, members. Would that be another word for it? Uh, The the people an organization serves? Yes. Yes. Okay. And and when you, and if you're managing uh, those people, are we talking about um, mainly social media, so sort of uh, Facebook or LinkedIn groups or that kind of thing, or, or is it a bit more than that? I think it's a bit more than that. I think, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook at the end of the day are social media platforms. And I think that you can use those platforms to, you know, begin the engagement, but online communities are really the places where relationships are built and trust is built in order to connect people back to um, the organization and to provide them the resources and information they need to be successful. Um, And so I think, um, places like Facebook and LinkedIn attempt to build a sense of community among users through groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, these platforms are not uh, ripe for online communities. They, I think online communities exist to bring people together around um, a common purpose or mm-hmm. things that they care about. And while technically these social media platforms are capable of doing that, I also think there's a level of intentionality associated with community management that requires uh, building in relationships and building relationships and trust um, in spaces that can be um, customized to support the experiences your community members want. Um, But that doesn't mean that you can't build community in those spaces because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the people who are doing the work set the tone and the culture of that community, but there's only so far you can take it. But presumably there are bespoke platforms that you can uh, tweak to your organization's specific needs. Yes, yes. There are lots of um, community platforms out there. Uh, some of the major players in the space include like your Higher Logics, your Vanilla mm-hmm. Forums, Koros, and then there are some smaller, newer platforms that include um, Tradewing or Brizio or Mighty Networks. Um, and so the goal, you know, with those those platforms is to really kind of create that sense of belonging and engagement there. Yeah. Um, 
that you know in turn breeds things like customer loyalty, higher NPS for the organization because you're taking the time to build those relationships. Right. And do these platforms are they expensive or do do they have sort of entry levels where you might have a certain amount of um, software for free? Um, and if you know, can you actually grow an audience on them? I mean, when I think of growing an audience, I tend to think of um, strangers to an organization happening across maybe a, a Facebook page or whatever. But do these bespoke platforms allow you to to grow existing membership bases? Yeah, so that's, uh, they do. Um, but I think we have to be, so to address your first question regarding costs, mm -hmm. they run the gamut. So a lot of your biggest, your bigger um tech community technology platforms um, are going to be a little bit more expensive because what they're going to do is appeal to enterprise solutions yeah. uh, versus maybe a smaller community. Um, but then there are some that are cost effective. They're really depending on how much you want to spend and the experiences you want to create for your community members. Um, so, and then to, to really talk to growing an audience, I think that we have to be careful when we talk about community and audience, because when you're growing a community, you are effectively and consciously taking the efforts um, and the initiative to build relationships with these folks, build trust with these folks so that they see this as a place that they can come to talk about things that they need to work through, to find the resources that they need to find, to you know even connect back to the association to either purchase membership or um, find an event that's gonna serve them or connect with a chapter. That takes time. Um, when you're building an audience, what you're really doing is just pushing content out to them and hoping that they'll listen. Um, and so, you know, building a community and growing an audience are two different things. Um, and, and they both take time. But when you're building a community, the last thing that you want to do is um, talk at them. You want to build with them. So, but it's absolutely possible to grow that community um, through any of these platforms, especially if you've got a dedicated community manager doing that work for you. Is that where a lot of associations are going wrong? They they think in order to engage um, their members or to grow their membership base, they essentially have to uh, fire stuff at them and, and pump out information at them rather than engage in some kind of continuous conversation. I think I think so, right? Because I think that there's there's for some organizations and for some associations, there's this perception that community acts like a product and it's not a product. It's not like a certification. It's not like, you know, a, a, a membership. It's something that um, is a little bit deeper, just the same way that an association would request that their chapters build trust and relationship with relationships with the people that are engaging at a local level face-to-face. Mm -hmm. -face. It's the same type of thing with an online community. The difference is it's digital engagement versus um versus live engagement. And so, you know, you wouldn't bring people to an event and just start um, expecting them to, you know, purchase things or join your association. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's a level of care that goes into that. It's the same with community management. You have to be, you have to understand these are people. Mm -hmm. These are people who have feelings and they are unique in the way that they view the world. And you have to be able to to tap into that and, and listen and, and let it be a two-way sort of um, relationship in order for for it to grow and for that trust to build right that's interesting because this idea of 
thinking of your individual members as as different and unique a lot of associations might say well that's going to be really um time consuming resource heavy to to sort of bespoke uh to create bespoke communication strategies around individual needs um how would you how would you go about that if you were an association how would you sort of pick apart uh, your membership base and make sure that everyone uh, is being served um served correctly yeah, so I think that um, I think you need to really understand who who your members are, and a lot of that comes with um, really figuring out what what who it is that you're serving, and you can do that through figuring out what what the personas are that um, make up your membership base. Um, and one of the community professionals that are in my network um, talks about when you're building personas, whether it's for especially if it's for community or even with as part of your organization, tying those to actual people. So instead of creating, you know, Bill the Barber, who, you know, is between this age range and has done this, you know, uh, this work for, you know, X amount of years, you actually are talking to people and you're building out who they are um, mm -hmm. and to, to get a sense of, okay, generally, um, you know, people like Martha, um, look like this. Um, so I think you have to be very intentional about that and ensuring that um, you, you invest in the resources to do that because it's important because it's not ever going to be one size fits all engagement at any level, regardless of whether it's online community, whether it's an event, whether it's at a chapter meeting, whatever that is, it's never going to be one size fits all. You're never going to create a solution mm -hmm. um, or an experience that's going to meet the needs of everyone. And then so in order to make sure that you're providing value to the people you say are important to you, you have to invest in the resources mm -hmm. to be able to understand who those folks are yeah if associations are thinking about um just going down the social media route and and say well we can do this on on facebook or we can do this on on linkedin um can they would you would you say there is a way of doing it just on these uh freely available platforms I think you can. Um, you know, I've seen brands do it and I've seen associations do it, but I think there's only so far you can take it. And the reason that I say that is because at the end of the day, you don't own that platform. Mm. So you're very limited to the experience that you can provide in that space. Um, you are, um, you're bound by their terms of service. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's certain things that you just cannot you can't change as part of those platforms. I think it's a great way to start and get the mm -hmm. attention of the people you identify as wanting to be a part of your community because I do think at some level you have to meet people where they are. And in many cases, people are hanging out in, in social media spaces. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that should be a long-term solution. I think that if you're very, if you're serious about building community, you have to invest in um, a community manager who's going to be able to set the strategy and, and ensure that we're measuring the right things and can ensure growth and explain what that should look like. And, and then once you've set, you've got a community manager, engage them in ensuring that you've got the pieces in place in order to launch that community and continue and continue that growth so i think yeah. it's a good place to start i would not i would not consider having that be a long-term solution that's that's really interesting i'm sure a lot of associations will 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 take notice of that because i know i know when i use linkedin or, or facebook for professional purposes 
um, they don't seem to like uh, your your business page or your community page as much as they like you as a personal uh, as your personal page. So they set various algorithms that mean you end up just having to keep buying adverts or keep buying um, extra reach or whatever it is. So this idea that these are free platforms is slightly misleading anyway, isn't it? Yep, it is. And then sometimes, you know, those social media ads don't work, right? Like you're mm -hmm. spending all of this money to try to get the attention of a specific audience and you're and you're not seeing a return you're just you know churning out money in hopes that they make it to your page yeah. but um it's sometimes it doesn't work and so you know why spend all of that money to do that when you can invest in an online community and bring people to you uh, and and have them engage there and experience the culture of the association as part of that experience mm -hmm. so that you no longer feel untouchable right you feel like um, you know, the community members feel like you're in reach and that they're a part of the association, not mm. just paying dues every year because, you know, you send them a bill and you want them to continue mm. to be a member. Yeah, right. Well, that, that, that sort of leads to my next question, really, because, I mean, it goes without saying that for years and years and years, I guess, if you were a member of an association, you would have received maybe, I don't know, a monthly journal or um, you'd have attended a annual or by biennial uh, congress and that might have been your only kind of interaction with your association and yet you may have thought well that's, that, that's fine so i guess this is a kind of slightly more abstract question but why why is engagement um so important and um and a follow-up question to that would be is it always important or does it depend on the association itself um uh, you know in, in terms of how much um engagement your members need yeah, so I think it depends on the association and what you're trying to achieve. Um, I, I believe that when you think about online engagement, the you need to ask the questions of why, who, and how. And I talked a little bit about that earlier. But you know, why are we engaging online, and why are we, you know, possibly using online community or, or social media or what have you, whatever tool that you're using, and, and, and why now? So you, you answer those questions, and then who is this community really meant to serve, or how are we, who are we serving through this this avenue? And then how are we going to fulfill the purpose of this engagement? And so I think once you answer those questions, you can really kind of figure out. Um, you know what what the strategy is around that that mm. digital engagement but i also think that you have to understand holistically who your members are um, you may have a generation of members who will never engage online they yeah. prefer to go to your uh, your live events they prefer to see people face to face but then what's that generation of members coming behind them um, what are the ways that they're engaging with your association as they discover you? And if you're not looking at those insights, that's definitely something that you should be doing as an association. But, you know, what are they doing um, as they engage with your association, as they discover you and are trying to grow and learn? You know, are you finding that they're engaging more with your online content and attending webinars versus going to, you know, a meeting or a congress? Um, and so you just can't take a one-size-fits-all approach to that member engagement because you can continue to cater to those folks who are always going to be the ones attending your events and spending money to go to your Congress and those types of things. But then you're leaving out a whole segment of people who are coming in to the fold who may not prefer to engage that way. So you have to look holistically at what engagement should look like, where are people currently um, engaging with the association, and then um, strategize accordingly. 
does that extend to membership models then? So if you're saying that um, you have to look at how different people engage, presumably that means maybe you have to look at, you know, how associations structure their membership models and maybe they, it's time that associations thought more broadly about community rather than just membership. Yeah, I think so, right? Because I think associations have a tendency to say, you know, here's here's how much your annual membership is going to cost. Here's the list of benefits that you get with that membership. Mm. And so that has worked for however long it's worked. But then as you think about um, what people deem valuable to them, um, maybe there's maybe there's a way that you can change your membership model so that they're able to purchase what's right for them from a membership perspective. So maybe you've got levels of membership that, um, you know, your basic level just maybe includes access to certain content and, you know, a couple of free webinars a year. Maybe your, you know, second level gives everything in the first level and then adds a little more. Um, and then maybe you have like a super premium level for, you know, those people who are hardcore, hardcore you know, really getting everything that they need um, from every aspect of your association and they want more. So I think you have to look at, and it, it really goes back to collecting the data. You know, mm. are you asking your members what they want? And if this is working for them, and if you're not, you're making an assumption, then you're probably not getting the insights that you need to be able to, to engage people in the ways that you, that you need to. So mm. um, I, I think, I think it, it really takes, at the end of the day, it takes some intentionality and, and, wanting to understand what it is that your members want or what it is that your community wants in order to provide them the experiences that matter to them. Otherwise, they'll find it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, at some point, you're going to become, you're not going to become valuable to them anymore and they're going to go somewhere where they can find that value. Right. What I'm getting, what I'm getting from you, Marjorie, is a sense that associations have to put a bit of groundwork in here, a bit of legwork before they launch into some kind of, uh, online engagement they've actually got to think about uh take the time to to work out who their members are to start with um and then like you say collect the data so this is not just something that associations should just give to the um the hired help or the the, the uh, receptionist or whatever this is something they should take seriously oh absolutely absolutely um you know it's it takes a lot of work to um it takes a lot of work to build a community and it takes a lot of work to build the relationships and foster trust that comes along with that. It takes even more work to really kind of figure out, you know, what is it that our members really need? What is it that they want from us? Um, and then how do we deliver it to them? Mm -hmm. And then it's going to take investment. Um, you know, I think that I think that associations are, are risk averse and I think that associations like to stick with what's working yeah. um, because at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you've got members you have to answer to, you have a board you have to answer to. So, but if you're not asking those members in that board, what's going to, what's really going to make or break their experience with the association, then, um, you know, that, that, that being risk averse is really going to be to your detriment because mm. at the end of the day, you're going to, you're not going to be, you're not going to be what they need. Um, and as I stated, they'll find somewhere else to go, but yeah, associations need to, to make 
a concerted effort and make an investment in really understanding what's the way forward and they need yeah. to do that with their members so how many if you i don't know percentage wise um what percentage of associations do you reckon employ a community manager if i had to guess i would <laughs> say it's probably less than 20 percent Right. Um, and the reason that I say that is because I belong to a community um, that um, has separate groups in the community. And one of the groups that I belong to is community managers. And it's associate, it's association-focused. Um, and so one of the groups in that um, community is strictly for community managers. And that group has over 500 people in it. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the majority of those people hold a title of, you know, director of communications, right. membership specialist, marketing coordinator. Um, they're, they're not community managers, mm -hmm. but they've been tasked with managing community because, I mean, that's what you do every day anyway, right? Member engagement, you can manage yeah. a community. But it's it's a totally separate um, skill set. It's like you wouldn't hire a plumber to rewire your house. Mm -hmm. yeah. You need to hire a community manager in order to manage your community. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because so it still is being seen as a kind of adjunct to another job title. Um, do you think that's slowly changing? Do you think associations are getting wise to this idea that hey, if we want to really engage with our members, you know, we need to employ somebody full time to do this. I think it is slowly changing um, because they see, I think as they start to understand the value of community and what it can really do if given the opportunity to, to, to really be cultivated and to grow mm -hmm. and the work that goes into that, I think as they're starting to see that, they're starting to understand that, yeah, community management and a dedicated community manager, dare I say a community team is required mm -hmm for this community to be successful and for us to be successful with it. So um, I think people are starting to slowly come around. I think what's what, what has to happen with that though is that there needs to be the patience for that community to grow because it's not like you launch a, a really cool product and people are like, yeah, I wanna buy that and they spend the money and you automatically start to see the return on that. Community takes time because you have to figure out how you're going to engage these people, um, you know, and just building the plan for launching a community can take, you know, six to eight months. Hmm. Then you have to launch your community. And then once you've launched your community and you start getting people in it and you started going through your programming and, and what have you, I mean, it's going to take maybe a year before you start to see the qualitative data that supports the value. You're going to see the quantitative data, mm -hmm. like you're going to see new users, you're going to see page views tick up, but that's only a part of the story. That doesn't mean that they're getting any value out of it. So mm -hmm. you need to allow time for that quantitative or that um, qualitative data to, yeah. to, to, to materialize so you can tell a full story around the value that the online community is providing. Right, that's interesting. So it, it, it's it's hard work and it needs a bit of money and a bit of resources behind it. But tell me, obviously now a lot of us are working from home, um, a lot of members of associations will be working from home and um, this idea of online engagement, I guess, with the coronavirus pandemic, it, it has been pushed into the spotlight somewhat. Um, 
Have you noticed during the last few months a sort of heightened interest in this area of your work and um, has it changed your, your work in any way? I have seen certainly a heightened interest. Um, I'm having a lot of conversations um, with other areas of the business wondering how they can engage the online community. But then, you know, what I'm what I'm pushing for is to have a more strategic conversation around online community engagement um, versus just a, hey, I, I really need to get this in front of a bigger audience. Can I just put this in your community? Because at the end of the day, I believe that community is a strategy. There's, there's a strategic um, piece to community. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to be able to to serve and, and solve problems in a way that um, really provides value, we need to think strategically about how, how we go about engaging the, the folks that are there because mm -hmm. they don't want to be sold to. You know, you, know, you, you don't want to come into the community and say, hey, we've got this new thing, buy it. Or, you know, hey, we've got this new event coming up, purchase a ticket to it. You know, there's a, there's a way that you have to go about ensuring that those folks get that information but still find it valuable. Um, so I'm, I'm having a lot more conversations around ways to best engage members, volunteers, etc., in the online space. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding that they're good and meaty conversations, but I'm also finding that the work, the amount of work uh, for my team is increasing because of those conversations. Um, and I'm also having conversations where um, it may not make sense to engage the online community. So, you know, that's one of the things that I also think is important is as we're having those conversations around the organization, it's got, it's got to make sense. Mm -hmm. um, what's the real reason that you want to engage the online community? Are you looking for an audience? Are you looking for engagement? Are you looking for feedback? Um, and then in some cases, I'm, I'm flat out saying community is not the right place for this, mm. uh, but here is where the right place might be. So um, I think that as people really try to understand what does online engagement look like, having those strategic conversations not only sets them up for success going forward and finding the right place for those things, but then really positions the community as a strategic partner across business lines, which is really what we can be um, mm. given the opportunity to. That's interesting. Earlier, you mentioned that associations can be very risk averse. And I know as a, uh, as a journalist, really, the only way I can get any kind of engagement online is by um, at the very least starting a debate. And that's not mean that's not to say you have to be sort of overtly controversial or anything, but you have to, you have to at least put something out there that people might disagree with and encourage them to to start a conversation um, like that. Now, associations often have quite tight messaging policies you know everything has to go through the board it can take a couple of weeks to sign off is that a problem when trying to build engagement do you need to have a bit of personality yeah i think so I, I, you've got to have a bit of personality because again you're you're asking for people to engage around a topic around content around a discussion and so you you have to speak to them like they're human because mm. they are right you're you're not mm. you're not putting out a, um you know an article on your website for people to read for informational purposes only if you want their feedback you have mm. to you have to set a tone um that allows them to be able to provide that feedback and i think when we think about online communities and we think about the association, the online community tends to have a little bit of a different voice than, say, your .org. 
so if someone comes into the community, they very well may say, um, you know what, I'm really having a hard time dealing with the fact that, you know, XYZ Association has made this change. I don't know if I want to renew my dues next year. Mm. You have to allow them to voice that concern and then, but then come into the community and address that concern. Offer to speak offline, offer to address their concern right there in the community in case other people have that concern. Mm. Um, be human with these folks because they're, they, they are human. These are people that you're dealing with. Um, it's not a product announcement. It's not a, you know, it's not a, um, you know, it's not an announcement for an event. This is a, let's have a dialogue. And if you really want to have a dialogue, the voice has to be different. Mm. Now, I think that some, some associations might think about that differently, especially if their community is strictly for their members. Um, but um, I still think that there is a level of leniency that you need to have there um, when you're talking with people in that space. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would echo that. And do you, um, I guess a lot of associations will say, well, this is something we have to do every day. Is that right? If you're building an online community, um, is, is it a daily thing or, or even an hourly thing? Do, do you have to do it sort of continuously? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to be able to nurture that community if you want it to grow. Um, I see a lot of associations, stand-up communities, um, and they invest heavily in the technology. And they're like, great, we've got this great technology. It's the best that they have out there. This community is going to grow. But you can't just set it and forget it. You, <laughs> yeah. you have to, you have to ensure that someone's in there, um, making sure that the conversations are happening, maybe making sure that people are connecting to the things that they're looking for, uh, making sure that you know if it seems a little quiet, maybe you're seeding questions, um, making sure that your super users are taken care of. There's there's a lot that goes into it. It's absolutely something that you have to focus on daily during the duration of your shift like it's yeah. it's a full-time job it is and yet you reckon only roughly i don't know from your experience somewhere around 20 percent of associations are, are really taking this seriously that's um it, it is interesting that your job title is community manager associations to me are all about community if, if nothing else they're about community um and yet there does seem to be this lag doesn't there there seems to be a lag between maybe it maybe it is just because uh for years and years and years associations were run in a certain way uh, and then along came the digital revolution and we we just haven't got up to speed yet um do you think the coronavirus pandemic in some way has has accelerated uh associations awareness of what they need to do absolutely absolutely especially if um face-to-face -face events were a large part of how you engaged people mm then the urgency for digital engagement wasn't really there. Um, but now that that's not an option, yeah, I think associations are really trying to figure out how do we supplement that? You know, how do we get people to come together um, and, 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 and talk to one another and connect and stay connected to us? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think a lot of organizations and associations are scrambling to move to online communities because... They think it's a magic pill and it can be but again you have to give it time you know you're not going to be able to stand up an online community and in three to six months voila have this amazing engagement it, mm. it's it definitely takes time so um but it has it has accelerated the need for for that online engagement but um patience is key patience is key what are the main risks do you think for associations if they if they just don't take it seriously or um, just continue to sort of 
say, uh, it's something that somebody can do in their part-time? What do you think the main risks are? Obsolescence? <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's obsolescence. Mm. I think the community then suffers. Um, your membership suffers. The people who you want to engage in that online community suffer. The staff that you are stretching um, because you think this is something that can just be done, you know, as part of your normal day job instead of dedicating resources to this is will suffer um so and, and at the end of the day if you stand up a community and you don't give it the attention that it deserves it will fail mm. and the reason in that associations might think it will fail is because oh online communities don't work well they do but you haven't dedicated the resources the thought the strategy to ensuring that it does succeed in the time, so um, I think that if they don't, if associations don't approach it right, they're gonna they're gonna spend a lot of money, um, and their and their communities will fail, and it's gonna be detrimental to how their members feel about the association. Well, Marjorie, listen, it's been brilliant talking to you. Um, before we wrap up. Tell us a little bit about uh, your blog, uh, Community by Association, which uh, I'm familiar with. Um, we've done a bit of work together in the past and we're going to do a bit more in the future. But um, just tell uh, our readers and listeners, in this case, uh, a little bit about Community by Association. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so Community by Association is a, a blog that I started back in 2018 because I was relatively new to community um, at the time. and I found a lot of resources online. There are plenty of resources out there on how to manage online communities. But what I had trouble finding was how do I navigate managing an online community while also having to deal with volunteer boards, chapters, um, you know, membership models, um, you know, all the nuances that come with with associations. And so I started the blog to share my experience and to share the things that I was learning. Um, and, you know, that's really how it was born. Um, and then last year we launched an online community for it. So uh, it's really become a digital resource and community for those who are building community, regardless of whether you have the formal title of community manager or not, um, in associations and nonprofits to get the support and information that they need to help um, help them grow thriving communities. So it's um, something that's near and dear to my heart, and I, I really enjoy it. Great. Well, it's www.communitybyassociation.org, is it, or com? Or... Dot com. Dot com. Okay. Yep. Uh, brilliant. Well, I hope people who have listened to this visit that site and um, take heed of your advice because uh, it's something I have felt strongly about for quite a while now that you know, this, this is an area of association management that's not taken seriously enough. But um, hopefully from now on, uh, people will take it seriously. So Marjorie, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, James. It was great.